0: Before we get to the show, I want to thank our sponsor, NPR. From Morning Edition on the radio to NPR News Now on Smart Speakers, NPR is a part of people's daily lives. And so are the brands that sponsor its award-winning news and programming. Keep listening to hear how NPR sponsorship can help you build brand affinity. Hello and welcome to Digiday Live, our podcast where we bring you the best sessions from our many summits around the world. I'm Aditi Sangal. Facebook friend or foe? That's the eternal question, at least for publishers. But here's Neil Vogel of Dot Dash. He spoke at the Digiday Publishing Summit, and in this session, he will tell you how he treats platforms. Listen in. <laughs> And when I turn, I enemies
1: the so what many of you probably don't know is both Brian and I are Philadelphia Eagles fans, and that was the song they played in the locker room when they won the Super Bowl. Anyway, so uh, they asked me to talk about uh, platforms and how publishers uh, should act, react, interact with platforms. So um, I'm basically telling you how we look at it at Dot Dash. And um, this is a little bit of we don't care about Facebook and never did and why. And it's, it's not about Facebook and uh, commentary on whether they're good or bad, it's more about us and kind of understanding where we sit and what our assets are and how we can play with platforms. Um, for those of you that don't know, we used to be about .com. We are now um, a series of vertical brands, very well in health, the Spruce and Home and Food. You guys can read all this. Um, we're much bigger than uh, anyone here probably suspect, some of you probably know. Uh, we're about, we're um, close to 80 million uniques a month on Comscore, which is about twice the size we were uh, when we broke, started the breakabout.com with these verticals. Uh, all of our traffic is organic. We don't buy any, we don't play any games, we so don't anything funny. And, and we're north of 100 million in revenue and we're, we're very profitable. Um, what we do is simple. Um, We are, for those of you who've been in publishing a while, we are like a service publisher. We help people answer questions, solve problems, get inspired. We're not news, we're not sports, we're not fashion, uh, we're not style. We are, um, what food can I eat if I have uh, diabetes? How do I make my router faster? We are um, helping people solve uh, everyday problems of life. Simple, complex, and everything along the spectrum. a plug for our hosts. We were actually DJ publisher of the year last year, which we're very excited about. Um, we've won a bunch of stuff. We've, we're actually doing quite well, and I think part of the reason we're doing quite well is we took a, a non-traditional approach to how we, um, we, we deal with platforms and other sources of our traffic. And to, to be frank, when we were about .com, we were not very good. And um, it turns out that our biggest problem was also our, our greatest opportunity, meaning Two and a half years ago, we got the chance to start with probably 40, 50 million unique users a month and build a new company from scratch. And what we were able to do was take a fresh look at everything from our technology stack to how we got traffic, and what we're gonna talk about today is, is where our traffic came from. And what we figured and what we really wanted to do and was it felt like when we were about and it feels like when you talk to some of the larger publishers, you have control of nothing like you're getting banged around by everybody. It feels like sort of the walls are caving in on you. And we kind of thought that that shouldn't be the case and that didn't need to be the case. So what we did was we said, we're gonna build our new brands, our new verticals. We're gonna build them all from scratch. And it was very helpful that we're owned by IAC, which is Barry Diller, which has a very slow money approach to us and let us spend a bunch of money to do this. But we said, We're going to build the fastest sites on the internet. And if you go now to, Hearst actually has a a tech blog where they rate the speed of all of the sites online based on all the speed measuring factors. We are the fastest verticals on the internet. We're faster than AMP. Um, We're going to have less ads than everybody else. The bet being, fewer ads, very viewable. Um, We're going to make more money than we had a lot of trash ads everywhere that weren't viewable, and there was just too much stuff on the page, and people would stay longer and click on more ads. That worked. And we said, despite what Rich said, that you don't want to be the best, we actually do want to be the best. And on the content topics that we cover, we wanted to have the best content. So if you're looking for a how to make Thai chicken recipe and you end up on the spruce, we want to be the best recipe on the internet for that. And if you're looking for what do I do with my 401k when you get to the balance, we want to be the best answer for that on the internet, which involves text, visuals, sources, all kinds of stuff. And the topic we're going to talk about here is we want to have a rational distribution strategy. So if you look at all these things and you say, all right, we we're the fastest sites, we have less ads, we have the best content, then we're only competing on product and distribution. And all of a sudden, everything gets simpler. And then we thought hard about product, and we built something simple, but we're not going to talk about it today. Then we thought very hard about uh, distribution and how we were going to approach getting people to consume our content. Um, So let's talk about platforms and algorithms. If you're a smaller publisher, this is less relevant to you. But if you're a scaled publisher, you're going to have dependence on some platforms. Your your traffic is going to come from other places that aren't directly to you or from your emails, no matter how good you are at getting people to come directly to you or for your emails, with the exception of like two publishers in the world. Um, So we had to pick along the theme we were working is we had to pick the platforms where we thought we had some control. And I think every publisher can look at what they're doing and what their core value is. And Rich talks a lot about it with Complex, and we can talk a lot about it with .dash. What we do is make great content that is incredibly expensive to produce that helps people, that helps people solve problems and... Um, make their lives better in some way. Now, it's not all like noble, like, you know, how do I diagnose leukemia? A lot of it is, uh, like, my router's too slow. So it's not, like, um, all that complicated, but people have to trust us with their time. So what platforms align with that? And we started to look at, okay, Google. We've historically, About.com, have done well with Google. What does Google want to do? Google wants to provide users the best answers to their queries, what they call questions. In theory, and Google's gotten very good at this, think of Google basically as a very smart person, all Google wants to do is give people the best content on a topic. It turns out that's what we do. We are perfectly aligned with Google. And one of the things we did is where everyone was investing in doing all these things for Facebook and everything else. We said, you know what, we're investing in content. And we've spent, by the end of 18, we'll have spent $24 million on content in the last two years. We have 250000 articles across our five brands, everything gets updated at least once a year, the most popular stuff as frequently as every couple weeks. With expert, we got a thousand freelancers that work for us that are experts on their specific topics, everything from like doctors to personal trainers uh, to lawyers to chefs. We spend a fortune and it turns out that like we're not pretty good with Google because what we do aligns with what they want. Then we looked at Pinterest, same thing. Pinterest wants the best images. It's a little more complicated what they'll tell you they want. But basically, when you want images or imagery, Pinterest wants the best. Well, it's funny, that's what we do. And when we make videos, or we use GIFs to show you how to do yoga poses, or we do screen grabs that show you how to delete a file on like some Unix system. Like When we do these things, we want to make the best things. It works with Pinterest. So that's become a good source and a good partner for us. Flipboard, Apple News, same thing. They want to get the best content to people who use these things. We are the best content. This starts to make some sense to us. Like, We can't control their algorithms. We can't control what they do. But if we're, if we're trying to make the best of our stuff, it can work with these algorithms. So we're like, okay, there's one, there's two, there's three that we can really work with or four, um, some smaller ones. And then we got to Facebook. And this is a couple of years ago. And we couldn't figure out how Facebook in the long term was going to choose to populate their content. And this goes back to the news feed, to watch, to everything. We couldn't figure it out. Turns out they couldn't either. It's, it's Facebook trying to figure out, like, well, today it's cat pictures, tomorrow it's news stories, and there's, like, there's all this stuff going on that we didn't want to deal with. We're not like fake news, we're not news at all. Like, I, I don't want to sell someone else's platform. I didn't understand it. We didn't feel like we could control it. And it made us very, very, very nervous. So we didn't really engage. What, what made it worse for us is the kind of content that performed on Facebook is not what we made. We make very expensive content. We have articles that cost $1,000 to make and a couple hundred bucks to update every time a year. That is not like eight ways to know you grew up in Chicago and that's going like to trend in someone's feed. It's super different. We didn't want to start making other content that wasn't in line with our mission to get it in someone's feed or in Facebook Watch or in Facebook anything, to get traffic that we thought was not valuable, people coming to us for reasons that we didn't care about that we didn't do, so we just didn't do it. It just it didn't align with us, so we, we couldn't figure out how to do this. And then, and double worse, as someone in my office likes to say, we didn't have any interest in creating entirely new businesses that took control even further away from us. Like, why would we want to put everything on Facebook platform on it just didn't make any sense um, so we didn't do anything with Facebook and we it probably at its peak was five percent of our traffic now it's still kind of like five percent because we just end up in um, we actually end up we do fairly well in like enthusiast groups of like pregnant mom's group takes a lot of our pregnancy content off of very well and does fairly well but we never aligned so we didn't really participate with Facebook and the But yet, the whole time this was going on, our ComScore Uniques went from like the low 42 or 43 million a month to, I think the most recent month, we were like 77. So there are ways to live in a world without Facebook. You have to be very
0: disciplined and align with um, who aligns with you. We'll be back after this quick break. NPR reaches over 100 million people's lives each month and counting. Beyond being part of their media routine, NPR informs people's understanding of the world and their opinion of brands that support its work. 68% of NPR's listeners prefer to buy products or services from NPR sponsors. Learn more about sponsorship opportunities across NPR platforms and why they're so effective by visiting npr.org slash for brands. Now back to the episode.
1: And I left off a couple of guys that I think were worth mentioning. Um, Instagram, we like a lot. We like it a lot more for branding than anything else, and stories are really interesting for, for some of our brands. Snapchat, we're kicking around whether we do this or not. It's a new discipline for us, so that makes us a little bit nervous. And Twitter is not for us, like we're not that kind of content. So um, it's, this isn't like saying, well, everyone can go and, and get really good on Google and get a lot of traffic from Pinterest. It's just saying we took a lot of time to understand like, what our content was where it belonged, how we were going to grow it, and really staying true to our values. And this, for us, wasn't easy. We're, we're part of IAC, which has owned everything from Expedia to Live Nation and currently is a control shareholder of Match, which is Match and Tinder, um, uh, and a, a whole bunch of other things, and Vimeo and us, and going into meetings with the guys that run IAC, Barry Diller, etc., and telling them that we're not doing anything on Facebook. When they're asking us, I don't understand. Let's say the publishers have 30% of their traffic from Facebook. You guys are idiots. Why are you not? Why are you? And explaining this, two things happened. They understood it and were kind of cool with our decision. And it made us really have to think about it and think if we were right. And, and we felt like we were right. And these guys wanted us to, to make, and we're not like wanted us to give sort of takeaways for you guys. Know what you're doing and stay true to that. Uh, don't chase the shiny thing, which is the hardest thing in publishing. Um, and really try and control your own destiny. For us, this was all about control. Being um, Studying some of the larger publishers and some of the smaller publishers and the things that we saw them doing um, really freaked us out. And once we figured out what was for us and how we could control it, um, we think we got to a pretty good place. So that is our platform story. <laughs> hey. Ten minutes. Neil, uh, we're going to be heading into 2019 soon. Yes. Um, what's going to be the big story of 2019, when it comes to this big story about life after Facebook? Uh, I think, um, we talked about this a little bit before, I think, um, I think there's a reckoning coming. And we talked about this a little yesterday. I think that a lot of publishers, um, I think there's a narrative out there now that publishing sucks and everyone in publishing is doomed and it's not working and I actually don't think that's true at all. I think what you're seeing is um, like Complex is doing great, like I think we're doing great, like what you're seeing in people that aren't doing great is a a series of bad decisions made for over a couple of years, potentially after having raised too much money or potentially because you're struggling because you're still converting from an old model and they're coming home to roost. chasing it, uh, not doing the right thing, and all of a sudden you're left where you don't really have any assets that are yours. And uh, I think you're going to see a lot of consolidation. I think you're going to see a lot of guys that have struggled um, get bought up by people that haven't struggled, or in some you're going to see investors mm-hmm. who are not forever patient, get very impatient. Are you going to be an acquirer? I hope so. Okay. That is the plan. If you're looking to unload an yeah. asset. There you go. This guy. We're game, if you've ever green <laughs> content. I want to open it up to uh, questions. We've got a couple microphones you can ask. The very first question of the Digiday Publishing Summit.
0: Hi, I'm with uh, Cannabis Now Media. My question is, are you guys looking at cannabis-related content as the emerging post-prohibition uh, consumers are increasing in value and
1: scope? I mean, who doesn't like cannabis content? Um, we, I, I think, what we look at is we look at that would probably fit very much in the spruce, which is our sort of like home and food lifestyle thing. I, I don't know how much of it we have. Uh, I imagine we would be if there's like a lot of demand. Would you start for it. a vertical, or would you stay away from that because your existing advertisers might be still a little uh, wary? I don't think we, it's not big enough to start a vertical. I don't think. I think. We're. I'm looking. We're looking at like we need a beauty vertical, maybe an auto vertical. I don't think cannabis is there for us yet. If it did, we could do it. Um, we. Co- I mean, we cover so many topics. I'm sure we do have cannabis content now. I just don't know what it is. Um, so that's my non-answer. Okay. Uh, yeah, there's one over here. Here, Jan Jane's from Pubmatic. Um, desktop, mobile, web versus app. I'm just wondering, what do you think about apps? Because you're very, your audience is desktop and mobile web, and what does apps mean to you in the we're, future? Um, we are 100% mobile web and 0% app. We don't have an app. I, 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 we haven't found a use case for us where an app makes sense. We're not that kind of consumption. As much as we would love to be daily consumption for people, we're not. People use us when they need us. You're not um, coming to very well to browse uh, diabetes content. That's not how it works. You're coming to diabetes content because you have diabetes, you're a caregiver for someone who has diabetes, or you think someone has diabetes, and those trips are super north-south, not, not browsy. Um Our mobile web experience is super fast and really good. We've taken some mobile web tricks in our code, so it's pretty good. But we're, for now, we're all mobile web. We've taken some app tricks towards mobile web, but we're, we're all mobile web. Thank you.
0: Okay. Uh,
1: we have time for one last one, if anyone wants to ask the final. I think Elena, is someone? Um, isn't your strategy still a bit risky? Because you're so dependent on Google, we've seen demand media crash, what was it, six or eight years ago, when it, Google suddenly changed their algorithm on them. So is Google less risky than so Facebook? I'll answer two ways. There's always risk in other people's algorithms, but. Uh, demand media didn't crash because Google changed its algorithm. Demand media crashed because they put out shit content that Google didn't. They were, they were <laughs> scamming. They, what You'll see this now. You see it with Facebook. You saw it with like, the Upworthies of the world. People will play games with Google and smart algorithms to try and game or hack the algorithm. That loses. It will you saw it, like, happen to little things. Like, it loses. You cannot game these algorithms. If you make the best stuff on a topic, and you rank on Google, you're also going to get traffic from other places. Like our email traffic has gone from like six percent of our traffic to north of 20. So you build brands, you get reputations, people really like you. Google is neither your friend nor your enemy. and Google doesn't care mm-hmm. about you. Google wants to give the best answer to people's query. They have no mm-hmm. bias, pro or anti-us or anybody. They have a bias. Anti-demand and anti some other. And you guys, to be fair, had to clean out a fair bit of content. Oh yeah, we had garbage on about like some of the stuff. (laughs) Some we 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 have 250,000-ish pieces of content now. We started with about a million too. We threw 800,000 pieces of content in the garbage basically because we're like too short, too old, really dumb. It's like a directory. Like so, we just got rid of it and said. Every single piece of our content on our network has to be great or it's not going to work because of that. In a way, demanded a service. OK. Neil, thank you. Oh, thanks, guys. Appreciate it.
0: All right. That's all for this episode. Thank you for listening. If you liked our show, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or Anchor.fm. You can also tweet at me. I'm at Aditi Sangu. Stay tuned. We'll be back next week with another episode.